0: Welcome back to the Rambler. This is Mike McDonald, your host of the podcast that you are currently listening to. Uh, let me just start off by saying Happy Valentine's Day, Happy Valentine's Day, and Happy President's Day to all you <laughs> single people who love history. I guess. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, I, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not single, but I'm. Uh, I have a history degree, uh, history and political science. So my President's Day is more in my jam. I think we're. I think in this household, we're more uh, into the, the President's Day uh, for Lincoln and Washington. You know? They're cool guys. They're they're pretty cool, as far as I understand it. I uh, did get some pretty sweet bourbon for the long weekend. It's called uh, Rough Riders Bourbon to commemorate Teddy Roosevelt, one of my personal favorite presidents. And uh, I think we're going to be having a, a nice romantic steak dinner tonight with a uh, couple of friends coming over the house. What are you doing? What are you? What are you doing for Valentine's Day or President's Day? You're buying a mattress. That could be for both. That could be for both President's Day and Valentine's Day. Know what I'm saying? Get it? That's a little. That's a little. That's a little dirty. All right. I'm sorry if there are any kids listening, or parents, who don't want to hear that. This is not what you're here for. This isn't what you're here for. You're here because today, my guest is Skylar Swenson. Skylar Swenson, who is awesome. Uh, we met a. Uh, a little while ago at Amy Ginther's uh, coming back to the US party before she headed out to California and she's also doing a, a lot of cool stuff I guess it's it's go it's waiting to the wings right now she's uh I think planning to unveil it at the gathering in Korea later this year uh, which will be cool so we got that going on today uh, are you guys surviving out there how are you doing it's cold. It's like really, really cold. When you listen to this podcast in the future, you're gonna be like, "Wow, that was a really cold weekend." Because it's, God, I think the low's like 25 below zero with the wind chill, which is uh, just insane. Nobody should have to go through that <laughs> ever, ever. Oh God, it's it's frightening. It's frigid. Hey, listen, stay indoors, okay? Do not, don't go outside if you don't need to. It's unnecessary. Uh, if you're out of like, pet food or staples like bread and eggs and beer, then then go outside for that, but go outside for as little as possible, little time as possible. What else is new this week? Uh, oh my god, saw the Deadpool movie on uh, Friday. Did you watch it? Did you watch Deadpool? Listen, if you're the people that uh, got offended at my mattress Valentine's Day, President's Day joke earlier, then do not go see Deadpool. Don't do it if you got offended by that. Uh, if that was like real mild humor to you and you're like, uh, that was kind of a lame joke. I'm looking for something a little bit more uh, intense, more more hilarious, but also dirty and wrong. Then go see Deadpool because that movie is all those things. Plus, it's got great action and Ryan Reynolds is amazing. As he always is, I guess. Uh, with that, I will say that this episode in particular, uh, I'm going to forewarn you. Uh, as opposed to last week's episode with Holly McGinnis, which was uh, more G-rated, I think. PG, maybe? PG? This is going to be more of a PG-13 bordering on R just because of the language uh, interview. So prepare your ears and prepare your children if they're in the car. Maybe you want to skip this one. I put I put E for explicit on every single episode. Uh, and usually it's more like a PG-13 because there's, there's only a clean and explicit. And I'm not going to say it's clean. Uh, this podcast because I want the guests to feel like they can say whatever they need to say to get things off their chest and Skylar certainly does that so with that we are going to uh begin the show with Skylar Swenson my guest this week on the Rambler thanks for listening Do I, I don't know. Are we are we interviewing <laughs> each other? This could be like Maybe. a dual episode. Right, right, the first right. one. Yeah.
1: Well, I if you ask me questions, I'll probably have to ask them back at you.
0: Oh, okay. If that's fair. Okay, so it'll be like a mirror interview. <laughs> yeah.
1: I have a list of questions that I typically ask all my
0: Really? What are yeah. your questions that you usually ask?
1: Descri- one of my favorites is um describe your relationship with Korea in three words.
0: Oh, in three words. Mhm. Uh <laughs> The first one's a gimme. It's like uh, complex. Okay, nice. Um, I mean, complex kind of captures all of it. Comple- <laughs> complex, <laughs>
1: complicated, and it's still complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Complex, fun, and uh, maybe maybe depressing. I guess, but like not. It's not really depressing, but you there is certainly a sense of loss. Yeah. Right that i think all adoptees not just from korea i think you could ask this question for like i personally i'm trying to expand my audience outside of just koreans Mm -hmm. i know all my guests thus far have been korean but um there's a number of other adoptees that i would like to open up to to include like domestic transracial adoptees as well i know um but yeah it's obviously a very complex like i have you when was the last time you were there
1: uh 2011 2011
0: how long were you there what's the longest time amount of time you spent in korea
1: uh i was there for about a year and a half in okay 2010 2011 yeah. oh all
0: right so yeah. actually i so i left in 2010 oh, okay and i was there for like two years right um where are you living Way way up north, like ten miles away from the DDC, or ten miles away from the DMZ, in a place called Chun Okay. Which interestingly uh, enough is where uh, Milton Washington grew up and mm-hmm. spent his formative years. So, on uh, his Facebook, we were kind of going back and forth about <laughs> cool. Chun, which is funny. Yeah. Um, but I spent I I tried to spend as much time in Seoul as possible, but yeah. it's obviously a very a uh, different relationship that you have if you're visiting for a short amount of time. I, I mean, I felt very differently the first time I visited, which was for about a month versus when I started living there and then throughout my time living there.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, then I do now, I guess, because I've, I went back last year for like two days for work.
2: Okay.
0: And maybe it's because the trip was so short, but I couldn't like process anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I was more like oh, this all seems really familiar. It didn't really change as much as I thought it would because Korea, you know, everything moves so quickly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think with that, that, it changes so much. That's almost also where you feel a, a big kind of sense of loss too because you're like, what did I miss out on? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what what happened while I was gone? And it's like, yeah. you're never going to get that time back. How
1: many more Family Marts have cropped up in the oh time that I've been Family
0: Marts, GS25. Yeah. The new thing is CVS over there. Oh, there were a ton of CVSs, but they aren't the CVSs we have here. Yeah. They're just like another GS25 <laughs> or 7-Eleven. <7-11. laughs> I'm like, yeah. I think this is probably a copyright infringement. I doubt this is the same corporation. <laughs> right, right. right. That's but funny. nobody cares.
2: Well,
1: I like what you said about Korea being fast, because I totally agree in terms of its development and like, this hyper-commercialism and, like... Yeah, uh, they've definitely glommed on to the
0: Western ideal of...
1: But it's also really slow, on the other hand. Like, it's slow kind of socially and culturally to Mm -hmm. develop. Like, that, for me, is the reason why... I don't think I could live there is because when I lived there, I felt like it was like the U S and like the 1950s of like for women. I just, I
0: just got done. Uh, so I was saying the same thing to Holly McGinnis. I was just mm-hmm. interviewing her cool. and I was saying, yeah, Korea, the way I, cause she just got done living there too. I was like, the way I feel about Korea and I, as much as I love Korea is that technologically it's super advanced. They're, they're not even like big things like, Oh, they're working on 5g, cellular service like little things like if you hit the elevator button again it cancels the floor if you made a mistake And I'm just like yes why don't we have this this right. makes it just makes so much sense yeah but then everything yeah socially and culturally I'm like it's mad men mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and on some level you know, it obviously as a man it's a lot easier for me but I certainly see that directed at women like in the way that those roles have played out and right I'm not sure and, and the the amount of racism mm-hmm. in that country too mm-hmm. I mean, I've had Korean teachers where I've jokingly asked them if there was a baseball or a soccer game between black people and homosexuals, who would you root for? And they have a really tough time with that question. Oh, my God. And they just, yeah, they just, they're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I'd root for either of them. And I'm just like, you're so terrible. I mean, I love you, but, like, that's like. I know. But the mentality is very much um, U.S. in the 50s. Absolutely.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think there's potential for. I mean, considering how, like, globalized, uh, you know, the internet techie world is, mm. like, there's going to be pressure. I mean, already I was really inspired by the protests that happened um, this past year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Korea always has a rich tradition of like public demonstration and like yeah, they're pretty good at that. The students. <laughs> yeah, they're <just> super <laughs> organized. Um, but I, uh. Yeah, so so on one hand, their president is like this crazy kind of.
0: Well, I mean, let's let's face the facts. Her like... father was a dictator, right? And she's trying to whitewash the history books to re- to not reflect that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which that's I can't just one is example in 2016
1: right? in like a f- developed nation as Korea. You
0: know. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, and I think a lot of people's idea of Korea, um, who haven't been there, it, is something like uh mash you know mm-hmm. like dirt rows and rice patties <laughs> right. and that kind of shit I've
1: never seen like I've seen like the beginning. I've seen the Mash like intro probably a hundred mm. times, and I always yeah, turn yeah. it off because like I don't know, it just never has appealed to me, and it just feels like it's going to be racist. So I just <laughs> like switch the channel. Uh, but I haven't watched
0: I, it in a very,
2: very long people time. People
1: love the show, and I think people even who you know have more nuanced understanding of race and the Korean War actually think that it's a pretty good show. So maybe. I should give it a shot. It was a movie first, know. right? Uh, gotta, like, start with yeah, the I
0: think it was. I think Donald Sutherland was the star. I remember the the theme song. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I remember which, the like the font song. and like the intro with yeah, the helicopter yeah. coming
0: in. I remember, I, I don't know if it was the specific episode that I remember. If it was the whole show, it took place in Wejungbu, which is now the headquarters of Second Infantry Division, which is like the major U.S. unit in mm-hmm. Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, their combat unit, anyways, and so I, having been to Wejangbu a bunch of times because it's kind of in between on on the one line in between Dongdu Chun and Seoul, um, Wejangbu is a good meeting place for people who are who want to meet up and not come up all the way <laughs> the entire mm-hmm. hour trip up to where I lived right. from Seoul. And it's like when you watch Mash, you're like, it you know, they're just a bunch of tents and dirt roads mm-hmm. and stuff, yeah. and now it's like. Seoul Junior, it's like very, very big, lots of lights, bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to say there's a school layer, like a college, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I think that's what people think of when they think of Korea. And we're talking about a nation that's in the top 10 of world economies right now, right? Yeah. And so they're a completely developed nation. They,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, I Actually, to relate to people who've never been to Korea... Um, how advanced they are i would like to say that i went on a short weekend like four day vacation with my girlfriend at the time to tokyo Mm -hmm. and i was super disappointed with my trip to tokyo (laughs) i hated it because a we were fighting at the time Mm -hmm. and b tokyo was like a really 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 expensive version of seoul there was nothing that i couldn't do in tokyo that i couldn't have done in seoul Mm -hmm. and i would like flew right from seoul to tokyo and i was just like that's I'm paying ten times more for yeah. this trip hm. for I don't know what.
1: <laughs> were you just in Tokyo, or did you see other? other parts? I,
0: for that trip, we were only in Tokyo, okay. and the only good part of that trip for us um, was going to Tokyo Disney because <laughs> it like you didn't have to have like a structure or a plan or anything like mm. that. Um, obviously, it was super westernized, and we did all like we tried to do all the touristy stuff, but it just. It was very, very difficult because mm-hmm. a, a, it was so expensive. B, the only people I found that spoke English were taxi drivers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they were also coincidentally the only people that I found accepted credit cards and everywhere else you needed to carry cash, which oh. became an issue. In yeah. Tokyo? Yeah, even in the bars. They were like, oh, cash only. I was wow. like, this is weird. Sounds like New
1: York. Maybe it's like a tax evasion thing.
0: It might be. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> I have no idea. Thing.
1: Well, okay, so I want to ask you, when you went to Tokyo versus Seoul, um, your experience of being like othered you know like when you go to seoul Mm. in particular and you're an adoptee it's like what the fuck's going on why don't you understand korean yeah Uh, yeah, and then once your identity is revealed should you choose to reveal it it's kind of like oh my god, I'm so sorry. Like, I feel like... Well, that's why I, re- I
0: would usually reveal it very quickly because it usually stopped any questions for a while yeah. until, like, maybe 20 minutes into a cab ride and the taxi driver as I'm getting out, I was like, you should learn Korean. And I'm like, yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> it's not like I haven't tried.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah,
0: of course. Um, a lot of people... I think it's because I can grow a pretty decent 5 o'clock shadow. Not a beard, but a good 5 o'clock shadow. <laughs> Um, a lot of Koreans initially think that I'm Japanese for some reason. Hmm. And so when I was in Japan, I didn't really have any of that. I was just using my iPod to try to click different phrases like, I want ramen mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and stuff like that. But
1: but they, did the Japanese like general public you were interacting with assume you were Japanese?
0: I, I'm i not sure. I don't know what they thought of me. I didn't really interact too, too much with the Japanese. I mean, it was only four days, so... Mm. Um, the only people that I interacted with were like the bartenders <laughs> or the waiters and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, my second trip, and this isn't even really a trip. It was just a layover in Japan for like eight hours on my way back from Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to take the train instead of to Tokyo to go to, uh, Narita, which was a really quick, like 15 minute train ride. Mm-hmm. And I loved, I had a Better time in Narita than I had in Tokyo. A, because Narita, I think, is where all the pilots end up staying while they're waiting for the next flight. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people there speak English. But also, they have, like... uh, Apparently, they're very much known for, like, their barbecue eel dishes, which is amazing and delicious. And it's, like, this, you know, hundreds-year-old cultural phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And they have this fantastic uh, park and Buddhist temple. And... Calligraphy Museum there, oh. which is like amazing. And I had a great time there and like, yeah, because all the pilots stay in that area and the um flight attendants and stuff like that, almost everybody there spoke English. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was very easy. It was very much a lot easier to get around in nice. Narita.
1: Yeah. Um I, I would like to go there. I don't know why. I think I didn't go there even after living in Korea for your half because it was so much more expensive. I just it's like very very it, expensive. Like I I chose to spend my savings on my like <laughs> sketchy like <laughs> dirty money earnings from hagwons in Korea. Uh, I spent it entirely on like a three month traveling like nice excursion in Southeast Asia
0: nice where'd you end so up going
1: stretched the the one a bit farther that way than going to Japan sure
2: uh that's I went probably to, money better spent I think I
1: think so for sure it's like hands down the most um you know kind of empowering experience of my life I'd never traveled alone before
0: oh really uh-huh yeah
1: and I went to Thailand Burma actually in Burma I was with my ex at the time and then uh Laos Cambodia and Vietnam
0: nice yeah that sounds like a pretty sweet circuit. tour it
1: was amazing out of
0: those i've only been to thailand yeah but
1: There's a lot to just i would love to have then. gone
0: to burma like burma sounds pretty yeah that amazing. was definitely
1: the most um interesting travel experience uh, ever
0: or Myanmar, as it is now. Right, right. <laughs> no, I
1: could, Well, my friends who are, like, activists that live in Chiang Mai, northern Thailand, who work for, like, NGOs. Do like they still go, say Burma? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah, In Burma, most people say Burma. Yeah. Burmese. hmm um, Well,
0: I think it's, like, one certain party, right, that's like, oh, no, 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 no. we're Myanmar, which right. I think, like, practically translates to not Burma. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it, it was, like, yeah, Burma was the name that was used by the British, like, Right. colonizers yeah. right so it was kind of like a wave but i also feel i don't know i have to research why most people for that are in favor of the liberation of burma I call it burma mm-hmm. still to this day because the government's still mad fucked up and corrupt
0: yeah yeah So definitely
1: anyway but we're here to talk about korea <laughs>
2: right
0: yeah or or whatever, or whatever. Well, why don't we uh, talk about you a little bit yeah And we'll go into a little bit of your biography, or Amy Ginther might say your emotional biography. (laughs) So so we met, actually, Amy introduced us at uh, her party that she was having in New York. Was Mm -hmm. that her going away party?
1: It was like, I'm back, bitches. Yeah, I'm (laughs) back, and now I'm out going to California. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that.
0: Yeah, that was a fun party. Yeah,
1: that was. We stayed at that Bar in the back for quite a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. we kind of own that area. Mm-hmm, I think, and mm-hmm. you know, because Amy and I are both extremely loud individuals, I think our voices actually pushed people out of the outside <laughs> area back into the bar because yeah, <laughs> yeah, there yeah. were other people, I like, think, in the area who wanted to like hang out, yeah, and that's they were great. like, "Nope, can't do it <laughs> now with these people around." <laughs>
1: Oh, we need you at more bars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know how much bar tenders would like that or bar owners. But yeah, I mean, I, love, I like a bar. I think yeah. people who know me know that. Word. Um, how do you know Amy?
1: So I know Amy because, um, well, first I met her in Korea. Mm-hmm. She was performing her um, one-woman show mm-hmm. um, and, like, was – a boss she was incredible she commanded this stage and you know told her story through the voices of like women in her life and and other people i think as well but it was just um, the first time i've ever seen like a live performance of this part of our identity kind of like performed in public Mm um and yeah, it was just it made me see another approach to telling our story, essentially. Yeah. Our parts of our story. Um, For sure. And then we just kind of stayed in touch, you know, on the internet's, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know, made a point to see her every time, or most times she's in town at least, because I think she's just a great member of our community and sure, yeah. a good friend, and she, you know, she's great. <laughs>
0: she sure is, and she. So when I was talking to her before. Um, And we're going to have to re-record our episode. But she was saying that she was doing another show out in California, um, which I I think she's either putting on or going to be putting on very soon, Mm -hmm. um, which I need to talk with her about. But I think it's going to be something sort of similar. Cool. But, yeah, super awesome. I'm sad I missed that. Mm -hmm. But I was in a show with her before that.
1: (laughs) So you met her in Korea as well.
0: Yeah, I met her in Korea as well. And it was funny because we were both in this show. I actually just saw two other people last night or – two nights ago maybe um who was the director of that show and who was in the show with us too and
2: Mm
0: -hmm. you know it was I think one of the first uh English language expat run musicals that actually had happened in Seoul which was Mm -hmm. really cool and I hadn't done a show uh since college before that and I haven't done a show since actually but um i thought it was so crazy and amy says this is not that crazy but i still think it's crazy (laughs) to have met another korean adoptee doing a show Mm. and to be in such a small production with me as well yeah so that was fun (laughs) cool yeah um so what do you when did you move back to new york then
1: i uh let's see i've been in new york this time around for almost two years. Oh, this isn't
0: your first time living here? No.
1: I. So let's go back. Should we start from the beginning? Let's start from the beginning. Right. Let's go back. I like starting from the go beginning. Go way back. Because, you know, that's our story. A beginning is a good place to start. <laughs> I was born in Andong, which is three hours south of yes, Seoul. Yes, I've been there. I well, was there for
0: the Mask Festival. Oh, yeah. And they have great soju.
1: <laughs> Me do. Why is it? I forgot why. It's just like it's really, really strong. It's really
0: strong. Okay. <laughs> Um, And last time I was at Holly McGuinness's house, um, she gave us this Andong Soju that she had had for like since she was in Korea. And it was probably like three or four years old. (laughs) It was so fermented. I was like, it was almost like an acid trip, like drinking it. And we watched like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And I was like, I can't (laughs) even handle this right now. Uh, This is
1: insane. That's the beverage of my people. Yes. So... (laughs) Excellent.
0: Like <laughs> so you come I from that like area? I do like party.
1: To be honest, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like part of my.
0: Uh, it's part of your genes. My identity. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. So born in Andong in a midwifery house. Okay. Um. And then was moved to Seoul, where a foster mother cared for me until I was about six months. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I was like. I think I was kind of sick. Oh, At yeah? least that's what I've seen in my paperwork. Okay. So that I think that's why they moved me to Seoul. Yeah, um, where there like more
2: resources up there. I think so. Yeah. And
1: then Eastern Social Welfare was the adoption agency. Okay. Um, that I was. What do you call it? Like Place processed, through? placed. Yeah. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> I, language. I, I think they say placed. I mean,
0: right. Uh, I'm sure there are some adoptees like, out there who would say processed. Through.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then. I think I I think I was supposed to be adopted at six months, but mm-hmm. for some reason, I think related to the Olympics at the time. This is 1987 when I was born. Okay. Um, 88 was the Seoul Olympics. Yeah, There's some like protests sure happening.
0: Yeah, well, and, there, that was a big deal too at the time because it was. I think it was the first time that because there was so much Western media in Seoul that they had shone a light on. Um, you know, I, I think the the way they some people were framing it was like a baby exporting business, basically yeah, in Korea. So was there was a the lot first, of protests.
1: Yeah, and I'm really interested to see what the olymp is it next year, the Winter at Pyeongchang. In uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I think it's supposed to be whatever the next Winter Olympics yeah. are. Yeah, God,
1: that's cr- the Olympics are so fucked. Anyway, um,
0: <laughs> they're not as bad as the World Cup, at least. Right? Are
1: they? Though they're pretty bad. I don't know. I mean, the World Cup the same, is crazy right yeah. now. Yeah. Just in terms of what they do to like cities and communities and. Oh, well, people. yeah,
0: there's plenty of argument for like, I think like there's a whole rally in Boston. Like don't ever put mm-hmm. the Olympics here. Yeah.
1: Same with Denver. Denver. It was supposed to be winter Olympics in like the seventies and like all the hippies protested and they canceled yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. Back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I was adopted by Randy and Lisa Swenson Grew up in Washington, D.C. until That's I was That's not a bad six. area. Yeah. I think it was, you know. It's pretty, pretty diverse down there. Sure. That's what they tell me. I mean, <laughs> it I mean, wasn't, maybe not your area? Well, argue, definitely without question, more diverse than uh, where we moved to, which was oh, in God. Denver, Colorado.
0: Yeah. So yeah. when I
1: was six, my family moved. Um, it's a bit of a change. Dad got a job. It what was do a big move for the family because both my parents are from the East Coast. So, what we did your parents do at the time? My dad um he is like I guess the easiest way to describe him is like venture capitalist, which sounds so evil, but like that's what kind of what he does. All right. Investment banker type uh-huh. of guy who originally was like a marine biologist and then kind of sold out in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cuz like had to raise kids and all that. Um so we moved to Denver. Um all four of us, I have a younger brother. Perry, who's also an adoptee from Korea. Okay. And yeah, he's older? Younger, three years younger. Okay. And um, so he's a 90s kid. Yeah, firmly a 90s <laughs> kid. Uh, literally born in 1990. Yeah. Uh, and we lived, you know, in a entirely white neighborhood. Was the only Asian kid in my grade for almost all of my years.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. I also went to really small private school, so that didn't help in terms of. Was it like not religious school so. or just a private school? No, it was just a like prep school.
0: <sighs> okay. Did and you grow then, up religiously or? No.
1: Uh, well, actually, kind of. I guess my mom um, was, you know, always and still is a member of the Episcopal. Church. okay So I did have to go to church until I was like old enough to argue why I didn't, <laughs> didn't feel like I believed in the organized religion. So, which is that was, like 13 yeah, or 14? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Right. Okay. Yeah. laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Come on, Ma. Do they have uh, confirmations in Episcopalian churches? I
1: don't think it's as big of a deal. I think it's like a thing, but it's not yeah. like the Catholic kind of conversation. Yeah, the Catholic thing. is like, you're going to yeah. do it. <laughs> right. And then and after that, you could day. say, no. Right, right. Uh, so I, yeah lived in denver i played a lot of sp- you know i did like all but like whitest white kid things i played lacrosse
0: did you play polo almost i, I think mean, that's the whitest thing had you could been. do
1: really polo polo's pretty white whiter than like field hockey
0: i mean field hockey is pretty white yeah. but polo involves horses yeah <laughs> which right. means you have to have money that's true to that's true. know how that's to ride true. a horse
1: um so played lacrosse but okay, here, well, I don't know the origins of polo, but what makes lacrosse whiter is that it was originally a Native American sport that was, you know, like usurped. appropriated by white people yeah. at, you know, East Coast They schools. went like
0: straight, Last Samurai, Avatar, mm-hmm, and it was mm-hmm. like, we're going to be like, the best. We're going to, yeah,
1: exactly. This is our
0: sport. Yeah, now we own it.
1: Yeah. So um, I played <laughs> that, and that's what got me into college, pretty much.
0: That's yeah okay, so I not a like, bad deal then. Yeah,
1: I was. Uh,
0: did you get a scholarship out of that?
1: I didn't get a scholarship. I I maybe could have, but I wanted to go to a like small liberal arts school, and they weren't offering money. So where did you end up going? They mostly just got me in the door. Uh, I went to Wesleyan University in mm-hmm. Middletown, Connecticut. Um, Moved
0: back to the East Coast from Denver, huh? Yeah. Uh, to I think an I almost was... whiter place. Exactly. <laughs> Middletown.
1: Although what was appealing to me about Wesleyan was that it was super socially conscious, progressive, like lefty. Yeah, yeah. What did never... you end up studying there? I studied sociology.
0: Nice. And
1: music. And um, Wow, super liberal arts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I remember there what was when i first was like oh like there are all of a sudden a couple of asian people around me maybe i should get in touch with like the korean students association and, oh like, yeah
0: the old ksa, the Did old they KSA. The, you didn't see them in the drumming circle they
2: were oh,
1: there were lots of yeah out, out there that called, pool? student day or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> eating eaten all the soon day i went to like the ksa house because <laughs> oh, like <soon> <laughs> wesley and they had like affinity homes so like there was the Malcolm X house and the Asian American student house and Earth House. They had a Malcolm and, like, X house in oh, yeah. Connecticut. Yes, yes. Wow. Um and what else? Like
0: I'm impressed. That's impressive to me.
1: Environmental house. You no, know, this was like a really like super you know, put the liberal and liberal arts kind of place. Yeah. Um, or so they claimed that was their like, you know, for the people brand. who have money to do that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I went to the KSA and was like, "Ooh, I don't feel like this is my people. Like, I don't, I don't speak Korean." Um,
0: Was that your first exposure to like Koreans? Kind of. What was it? Did you did your parents bring you up with any like culture camps or some kind of stuff? Did the culture camps in Colorado?
1: They did take me to Korean culture camp. There was actually a really big one in. Colorado in the mountains. Oh, yeah? Korean Heritage Camp. Okay. Um, and we went there, you know, in the mid-90s.
0: Do you know who was running it? Uh,
1: God. Kim? Pam? Pam Sweetster.
0: Is it like she, an like, organization? It.
1: Oh, it, it was like its own thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, culture camp, like Korean culture camp. Cool, cool. Yeah. Now it's like Heritage Camp, I think. And sure. it, it's like for adoptees from all over the world. But oh, the is Korean... this, so is
0: this just for adoptees then? Or? Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, it was started by this woman who had adopted... A child from korea mm. so it was like focus on korean culture yeah. and they brought in you know korean koreans to teach us about kimchi and hanboks and like you know we that's one thing everybody Arirang. wants to learn yeah. about is kimchi that well that's like <laughs> you kids don't know about your roots like here is this disgusting here's <laughs> fermented, fermented cabbage, cabbage. yeah Stinks. you'll
0: like it yeah <laughs> it took me like four years to be like no this is good
1: <laughs> it is an acquired taste it's for super acquired You know, us adoptees, I guess. I hated it for a long time. I was like, I'm not hating that. Yeah. But anyway, um, at the time, I didn't like culture camp because, you know, I just wanted to be like all my white friends. Sure. Playing sports and like...
2: Playing lacrosse. Not being...
1: Not focusing on what made me different. Like I wanted to just... You just want to fit in. And fit in it. Yeah. So playing lacrosse, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then... So KSA was like... Not not my space either. Not yeah. my people either. Um,
0: Did any of them tell you that you're not like not a real Korean?
1: No, I I don't think people were like that. But but it wasn't like I don't know. It also felt very um like marginalized as a group because it was mostly made up of korean students who were uh studying abroad you know they were like international oh, students okay, yeah, yeah. so they, they weren't like
0: second gen koreans
1: there were like a couple um <clears throat> and they were you know like la koreans who like knew their shit and like <laughs> were trying to like teach <laughs> from me k-town about... yeah yeah um but i did meet a handful of adoptees that were actually in my year i was in this woman named Zena, and this guy nick alt who i later met up with in korea oh cool when we were there in 2011 um great guy nick alt um
2: what's so, he doing
1: i think he's like in law school or med school one of the big Back school here? yeah yeah no 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 he's he went to some place in the south like i want to say william and mary or something Whoa. but he was in and out of new york he grew up in iowa so All you right. know. <laughs> yeah um and went to Korea. I have a
0: hard time placing Iowa on a map. I, I think it's south of Minnesota.
1: Yeah, it's like where all the caucuses are happening right well, now. Well, yeah, yeah. So I, I like
0: no in that context, but like geographically I have a yeah. hard time placing. Yeah,
1: it. yeah, yeah. It's in the middle.
0: Exactly. Smack in the middle. It's like so many other states. I'm right. just like yeah. North Dakota I know is north of South Dakota, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my yeah. limitation.
1: Right. Um so yeah. I was like exploring my identity there. Mm. I wanted to kind of, I think another reason why I chose Wesleyan is because I felt like that was a space where I could, um, kind of reclaim or better understand race in America and how it mm. applied to me. And you know, my whole childhood up to that point was filled with like experiencing racism here and there, and mm. like me not knowing, not understanding it, like feeling hurt by it, but not knowing how to process it or do you have any specific
0: examples of how you hurt
1: um uh let's see one example that i still kind of think about and it's because it's so stupid but i was so impacted by it it was like Mm. when i was a junior or senior in high school and i went to this like indie rock concert um in boulder colorado and yeah,
0: home of indie rock is Boulder, Colorado. We <laughs> were right.
1: on tour. Uh, Wolf Parade was the band, and this big, tall guy standing next to me—he uh he didn't know. He—he he, he was like blocking my view or something, or maybe I brushed up against him or something. I was like very unprovoked. Um, yeah, his—he just turns around to me and he's like, "What? Like, you study? Are you like an East Asian studies student or something? Like, trying to." I don't know. He was just, just be being obnoxious, <laughs> and like I froze up. I knew he was like identifying me by race and other sure. with this dumb comment, mm-hmm. and I felt so like confused and disempowered, and didn't know. I wanted to say something back, but I had no idea what to say, yeah. and I, so I just like sat there with with that feeling, and it, I stood there the whole concert. Like, it was like an hour of just yeah, like. Yeah like going through my brain, like, how am I gonna get back at this guy? What would I say to him? Like it was such a stupid, like Did you comment. think of the
0: perfect thing to say on the car ride now? <laughs> You're like, Oh, I should have said that
1: I I thought about like putting my gum in his cup or something. Oh yeah, that would've been good. but I just didn't have the words to verbalize back yeah, yeah, like yeah. why that was really fucking stupid and racist. Yeah. I and I remember feeling so angry and like, um just disempowered and i was there mm-hmm. with my two older white friends who i think they maybe said like that dude's a dick or something like you know but didn't also were like kind of surprised by my complete kind of like inner meltdown sure <laughs> um so that was one instance uh a specific instance where i just felt really shitty but you know that racism that's like the kind of racism that we still experience today constantly all the time being like, it's not like a verbal attack. It's just like growing up without any Asian role models or seeing any Asian people yeah. on TV yep. or, um, being the token person of color in like X, Y, Z group mm-hmm. throughout my whole, you know, young adult life. <laughs> yeah. Um, like that kind of racism. Oscar. So white. Exactly. <laughs> so white. Uh, and then, really not understanding uh, myself as, like, an Asian woman and the, like, white male gaze. Mm -hmm. Like, feeling very confused about assuming I was just, like, undesirable and unattractive to most boys growing up my whole life and that being attributed pretty much to my race. And, like, Mm. on the other side of that was this realization, probably, like, very late, like second half of high school where you know it was all of a sudden exotic to be an yeah, asian woman yeah. and, and then you know i was all of a sudden desirable but in this fetishized way yeah, I, super fetishized, and I didn't know right. how to i was like on one hand male attention is cool and like really <laughs> feels great on the other hand but I not for the know, right reasons right yeah i always f- like but i didn't even know that it was that fucked up at that point i was just like right. oh cool like <laughs> i'm getting attention all of a sudden
0: yeah um High school is a confusing time. Yeah.
1: So, and it's still that whole idea of like owning my own sexuality and like my own mm-hmm. identity is something that I'm still kind of working through
2: today.
0: See, but what's funny, one of the reasons why I like the, have you watched the show Master of None yet? Yeah. On Netflix, which yeah. I love. Yeah. Is, have you ever read any of the interviews with Aziz um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: in making the show and why he cast, uh, this Asian guy. Oh, in the yeah. show and like that is actually friends like his co-writer for the show is, mm-hmm. is his actual best friend as well, an mm-hmm. Asian guy. And uh, you know, his writer friend, I, I don't remember his name, but he was basically it's like, like Alan Jane, I think. yeah, Alan Yang. Mm-hmm. he's like, I mean, have you ever seen like a sexualized Asian male on TV before? like mm-hmm. ever? like think of it. yeah. think think of a male it's Asian hero. That you have that's ever been, oh, like, sexualized? Oh, I can
1: think of one. Is and it Glenn it was from like, The Walking Dead? <laughs> no, I don't even watch that show, but I've heard about it. Because <laughs> um, Glenn it, is No, sexy. I, it was, like, when we were kids. I don't know how old are you. How old are you?
0: I mean, I think I'm... You, you said you were born 87? So I'm yeah. two years older than okay.
1: you. Okay. Uh, so maybe you were a, a touch older for this. I think this happened, like, when I was in middle school. But there was this huge um, debut of sleeping no cinderella it was like a made-for-tv version of cinderella and was there an it, asian prince yeah no it was way. brandy who was cinderella oh no
0: i remember her and doing that
1: asian dude i forgot his name but it was like oh my god where's like, that guy Asian now? dudes can be like
0: these, sexy like you know uh
1: you know, yeah Se- but but also lead characters but it was only mm. in the context of like at the same time Cinderella is a black girl with dreads. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah. you know, typical blonde Cinderella with Asian guy. It was like mm-hmm. this total separate That's like iteration rare. of Cinderella that was just for people of color, yeah. which was amazing and probably very important for me at the, the time. But also I remember thinking like it was kind of tokenizing.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, there, and I think at the same, around that same period too, uh, if we're talking about like Asian males in cinema. It, it's usually not in a sexualized way. It's usually like, oh, he's the action star, like right. Jet Li or Jackie Chan. And Jackie yeah. Chan is like funny, mm-hmm. and Jet Li is like a badass. But you know, Jet Li never hooks up with Aaliyah, Right. ever. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, great, I saved you, okay, see ya. Right, right. It's just like, yeah, you know, very stoic, see, like see ya. <laughs> Asian man who can't right. really speak English. Totally,
1: totally, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Master of None is incredible for that exact reason. Yeah. But I also want to challenge it in its representation of women of color. Like they have the queer black friend mm-hmm. who is amazing and hilarious. But Aziz ends up <coughs> exclusively dating white women. I think he dates one Asian woman, but it's like kind of a parody. I don't even remember the Asian woman. She, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he goes on one date with her and she's like texting the whole time or something. Oh, no. She's like just. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She was using him right. for a free meal. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the um, web series High Maintenance.
2: No. You should
1: definitely watch it. It's hilarious. The, so that um, free meal date reminded me of this character on High Maintenance who's also an Asian woman. Uh, the premise is, it's called High Maintenance because it's a story about a weed delivery guy on a bicycle <laughs> and he goes throughout New York and each episode is a different customer of his. Mm. And so one episode, there's this character called Homeless Heidi and she's played by this like super cute Korean-American woman, I'm forgetting, Greta Lee. And she is, like, you know, the cute girlfriend who's meeting a bunch of people on, like, OkCupid. And uh, it's slowly revealed that she is homeless and is just dating people (laughs) in this, like, serialized manner for, like, a place to stay because nice. she like yeah literally lives out of a bag and like, she's Jeez. like this glammy yeah homeless hot chick who like
0: hey yeah you know get it where you can right
1: <laughs> but if I were homeless that'd be that... a
0: good well for a woman I don't think I could pull that off <laughs>
1: right, right anyway um, yeah so master of none I just you know it would be cool to see Aziz like you know more seriously place the kind of like lady role yeah well they not. do have
0: i think some interesting perspectives which you don't even see on any tv show usually which is like and it's done in a very comedic way but him and his friend eric like walking over in the bar and they're having a good time walking in the middle of the street and talking about text and just basic bullshitting and you see the girls who they were hanging out with at the bar and this creepy guy is following her back oh yeah and it's like at like pounding iron door, let the nice guy win. Come on, just go out with me. And it's just like, what a frightening experience. And I'm just like, yeah, that's kind of, I've never thought of it before. And that's, I think why the show is so cool. Cause it's, you know, I think comedy's best when it's subversive or makes you think, <laughs> And it's like, oh, yeah, I've never had to worry about that going back from the bar. But I'm sure pretty much every woman that I've known in New York or another yeah. city has probably yeah. had that experience where, like, right. some creepy dude is following him back. For
1: sure, for sure. I've definitely been followed quite a number of times in my life, which is yeah. it's terrifying. And, like, yeah, we don't talk about it enough. Like, the fact mm-hmm. that you're 30 and that was the first time you kind of considered that uh, in comparison to what women experience is like, it says a lot about our culture and society that, right. <laughs> you know, that's a
0: thing. Yeah. Scary. Scary out yeah. there. I'm super happy I'm not a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, like, and you got to think like in Korea where, yeah, we were talking about how it's kind of like the 50s is like, how much worse is it?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like we're in an age now where people are arguing for like equal pay and literally Ledbetter better act and all these things is like, how long is it going to take for Korea to catch up or right. these other countries to yeah, catch up? Totally. Totally. So... Anyways, back to you. <laughs> so <laughs> you studied five. sociology.
1: Studied sociology, then started
0: exploring some race issues.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, and then like the big pivotal moment in my life, in terms of identifying as a woman of color and as an Asian American, mm-hmm. uh, was when I did a semester abroad my junior year in India. And you I you went to India. Yeah, it was a really smart choice mostly informed by <laughs> this breakup i was experiencing it i was like i need to get the fuck away from this person <laughs> india seems like the farthest place away and right. i also was interested in buddhism at the time i was like oh i'm interested in like buddhist philosophy oh, cool. like this is something kind of asian maybe i can do it like, less like culturally appropriate
0: <laughs> so we're like theravada buddhism like I'm yeah, going to India.
1: going to india going to specifically northern india to explore tibetan culture okay and religion and The political movement uh Mm. for independence so um i went with this group of other students from around the country uh like i think maybe 15 white students one chinese american woman and one african-american guy and uh when we were over there i was immediately struck by how differently i was treated compared to the white and definitely the black dude Mm. uh my co-cohort of students because it better I was or worse? way well <laughs> way way better I'd say in the sense that I was just included and it was assumed that I was of their community because of my race for oh. the first time in my life yeah all of a sudden it's like tables have turned white people <laughs> I'm in the in group and you guys are being othered and like hustled for money on the street like nobody ever came up to me to ask me for money wow. which isn't like you know a great <laughs> Feeling, but it was a part of like this bigger systemic um shift that sure. made me feel like i belonged there yeah, because yeah. of my race and then i met up with this amazing tibetan activist who she was um uh grew up in the states but had family in northern india where the dalai lama was hmm. residing in in um what's the word called uh, you know, they the community had escaped in, from Tibet and lived in North right, India yeah. in uh, Dharamsala. Anyway, she was out there and she kind of was like, I was like, hey, it's funny that, um, you know, I'm being treated differently compared to, like, my white students. And she was like, yeah, girl, like, let me explain to you why that is. And gave me a bunch of resources to read about um, the history of imperialism and colonial, you know, crazy shit and how that affected her experience. Um, mm mm-hmm. In America versus India. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to embrace this now. I'm I'm not Tibetan, even though everyone thinks I am, but I'm also not identified as like this weird white student who's just there like doing a research project. Sure, like yeah, I was kind yeah. of, you know, just assumed I was like in. So, um...
0: That feel pretty
2: good? It
1: felt really great. Yeah. And then I went back to the States, fully aware of my race in a way that I hadn't before. Mm-hmm. And, um... Most of my friends at Wesleyan ended up being women of color or a mixed race um, who identified kind of in a similar way to me growing up with white parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <clears throat> that kind of pushed my interest in like social movements and anti-racism and anti-oppression um, work. So after college, moved to New York right when the economy was super shitty. Yeah. Took the first job I could get. <laughs> which was at this Tibetan human rights organization. I worked as the operations director, learned how to do like nonprofit, super shoestring budget finances. And, you know, it was a great experience. I think I hated it at the time. I was just like, this is a terrible job. I'm poorly managed and underpaid, but I should be thankful for anything I have that's Mm -hmm. like giving me health insurance and a phone. (laughs) I can feed myself. I lived in Williamsburg, which was like, I don't know, not that like...
0: It wasn't, like, overtaken by hipsters no, yet? It wasn't
1: yet. It was, like, getting there, but there was still, you know, half... There weren't,
0: like, hat shops and, like, no, no, a lot no. of beards.
1: Lot st- it was, like, yeah, on The Verge, but it was, like, the Graham stop. It wasn't Bedford. Okay. So it hadn't gotten, like, full-blown gentrification. It was kind of, like, almost <laughs> post-gentrification. Um, and then... I think largely because I was dissatisfied with my job. I was like, this seems like a great time to go to Korea. Uh, I can just move yeah. uh, across the world, tell everyone I'm going to l- look for my birth parents, and then they won't ask me any questions, and I can just peace <laughs> out. Like, Wait, so me.
0: that was the excuse, is that you were kind going to of, look for your I birth parents? Of,
1: yeah. Did so you actually go and pursue that? I mean, I didn't wholeheartedly feel like that was the purpose of my going to Korea. I right. thought maybe that would be an option when I'm over there, but I'll see how I feel. Uh-huh. Um, I just told people that was what I was doing so they wouldn't like (laughs) my business. No, I don't think so What did you tell your parents? I think I told my parents I just wanted to understand korea and live Mm. there and go back and Discover that part of my identity and And they they totally got it cool And they were like you're gonna look for your parents. And I was like, I don't know like back off (laughs) (laughs) They were always more interested in me looking for my parents than I ever was
0: growing. up. Yeah they were always my I feel curious. like it's either one or the other. Parents are like, don't ever look like I'm gonna <laughs> lose you as my child. Yeah. They're like, no, yeah, totally check it out. Yeah, like, let us know what you, what you I find. I look
1: like too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they always encouraged it because they were legitimately curious, but also um, didn't want to be that parent that was like, don't do mm-hmm. that. That makes me feel weird. Yeah, you shouldn't yeah, learn yeah. about yourself that way it's not relevant i think they were just always you know and did this... you ever like
0: ask for your file from them and they're like yeah oh they me, like, always oh, there you go
1: yeah so they have always kept that information in this like safety deposit box and i asked them for mm-hmm. it actually when? when i had to get my f4 visa
0: oh yeah okay.
1: because i needed you know some in order to get the f4 you have to like renounce your korean citizenship and i was like wait a second I don't think I have Korean citizenship, which is a whole other fucked up story, part of our community yeah, yeah, yeah. problems right now. Yeah. Both American and Korean citizenship paperwork being like not fully sure. figured out for yep. a lot of us, which is kind of crazy in yeah. um, 2016. <laughs> anyway, uh, they readily gave me my file and um, the actual paperwork that um, I was given... Was this like, you know, typewriter typewriter written document that had the names of my, both of my Korean parents.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. But like,
1: okay. uh, what do you call it? Anglicized. Right, right. And right. it had been whited out. <laughs> Someone literally had taken a white out and covered up their names. But if you uh-huh. held the paper up to a light, you could yeah, read, you, it. read it. Yeah, read it. Yeah. Which is just like, who the fuck? Like, what? Dang <laughs> like,
0: I mean, I don't it, know.
1: it was helpful in the end. Yeah. Um, and so I took all that documentation, got my visa, and then moved to Korea. Got a one-way mm. ticket and was like, I'll probably find an English teaching gig there. You know, just to make easy <laughs> So money. you didn't make a plan. You
0: just got on the plane and kind we were like, of, here yeah. I am. I
1: knew like two people who were friends of friends who were there. And I just hit them up.
0: Where would you end up like staying goal. and going? So, so you went to Goal? Mm-hmm.
1: My first stop was with um, a friend of mine. Who I had gone to Wesleyan with. She was not Korean. She was uh, a friend of mine who I played lacrosse with. Um, <laughs> and she was over there working for this crazy hagwon that was paying her something like $40,000 for like two months of work. Nice. Just like essentially making content for like AP English students. Man, I To help I them get into schools in america yeah Taught and i was English. like let me get on that it <laughs> seems like train. a sweet gravy train and, compared to the u.s economy at the time yeah exactly i was like fuck yeah i'm gonna make so much money doing like really basic high school writing shit <laughs> yeah um but because i think largely the fact that i wasn't korean the hagwon did not pay me as much or, i mean mm. because i wasn't white the yeah they really
0: cater to, like they love the blonde hair blue-eyed yeah. kids
1: but they totally you know touted me around to. Parents of these students as like she doesn't speak any korean she's super white and she went to this like liberal arts school in America, so like she'll she
0: played field hockey you're like oh okay <laughs> exactly
1: then, like, oh yeah my, t- my kid's gonna learn real english real good from this girl um so i got easy work with them working for this crazy lady um And stayed with my friend who was like put up in this fancy hotel the whole time for a couple nights. And then she introduced me to another friend who had lived in, um, who was teaching English in Korea, who I also went to college with, who lived in, uh, I mean, I forgot the name of the town. It's some satellite town, like, I don't know, a couple hours away from the city. Oh, wow. Uh, And I stayed with her and house sat for her while she did something else. And uh, took care of her little baby Jindo puppy. Oh, yeah, I always wanted a Jindo. But I was like, I need to be back in Seoul. This town is too isolated. But it yeah. was a good like testing the waters. And then I moved to the city and um, house sat for a friend of mine who was Korean American. Grew up in Bayonne, had family in Korea. Bayonne, New Jersey? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Her mom's Korean. Her dad's like super Norwegian, I think okay so she stood out in a crowd super tall mixed mm. race uh woman who i just like stayed in her apartment in express bus terminal it was like very it felt very like didn't feel like uh what is the word like guk, itaewon even though it was close by oh, it yeah, felt like yeah, very yeah. like working class korean right. which i loved but it was very isolating it was like a single studio up in this drafty cold tower by express bus terminal <laughs> Nice. Uh, and then my friend Fielding, who I still am close with today in New York, he was there as well. Um, I knew him somewhat through college, but mostly uh, met him in Korea. He met, introduced me to this woman, Shannon Height, who had been living in Korea. She's also an adoptee for like five years and was like pretty much fluent in Korean. Nice. And so that was an that incredible helps. resource for me. Yeah, I moved in sure. with her to her like tiny, tiny two bedroom uh right in the heart of itaewon like across from the mcdonald's <laughs> and, oh
0: man um, yeah i know where that is yeah,
1: <laughs> 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 knows that yeah okay McDonald's is, and there's like a starbucks nearby so yeah but it was right in between itaewon proper and um uh what is it? not hey the kyeongleon kyeongleon mm-hmm. anyway that's the neighborhood right next to it um so yeah i was there and was super depressed for the first three months of living there, I was what just like, depressed really about? lonely, just lonely? Uh, confused about my identity. I felt this anxiety mm. every time I went out in public because people would ask me questions in Korean and I didn't know how to respond yeah, back. Yeah. And I felt so uh, frustrated and um, disempowered by my lack of knowledge of... The language and felt Mm -hmm. like oh my god i should know it but then i felt like no fuck people who think i should know korean that's not who i am i was taking korean language classes and it was just not sticking very well yeah it's hard i've taken korean 101 korean 101 probably like five different times in my life and i just forget like go to maybe 102 and then have to go back to the beginning yeah but um yeah it's a big part of my frustrations with the culture and being there um, was just not knowing enough yeah. of the
0: language. Well, I mean, you're certainly, <coughs> you're certainly not alone in that yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah. I, I should mean, just, I, I always feel like, no, just work a little harder and like <laughs> get it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what's get frustrating it. is people are like, when people are like, oh, you should learn Korean or something like yeah. that. I was like, well, I've tried. I've, it's not like I haven't tried to learn Korean. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's really hard. It's just a very difficult language yeah. sometimes.
1: Yeah. So uh, I was there. About six months in, I decided that, uh, I should probably look for my Korean family because, you know, mm. I had only really intended to be there a year. And after six months, I was like, you know, I should just look. And my parents were even, my parents in Colorado flew out to visit me.
0: Oh, did they? In, in the spring.
1: That's nice. That's a good and, time to visit. Yeah. They were super supportive of everything. Uh, and it was a huge gesture to, to, see me and spend time with me out there, um, and they were like my dad i remember we were like on the bus or something and he was like what if we just like looked up your parents and like went and knocked on their door and said hi and i was like
0: it's one way to do it
1: yeah uh what if we did that dad would you would you join me in that experience and um i know i didn't even ask that i think i was like yeah whatever like i'll get around to it like get off my back uh-huh. <laughs> also this isn't your thing this is my thing so <laughs> but i needed that push i think at the time to really consider if i don't do this
2: uh, while i'm living here
1: i might never do it yeah. and maybe they'll be dead maybe they're dead right now like i don't sure. know i i should not you know spoil this opportunity i should at least look into it so i went to mm-hmm. um eastern and looked at my file that was my first step and they had a ton of information there. Yeah. Um, that wasn't
0: in your original file, right? Uh,
1: most of it was there, but what I found most fascinating in my file was my parents' application for adoption. Oh, really? It was like a de- there were so many more details about them and their uh-huh. relationship and where they were in their lives yeah. in 18, 1987. Yeah. Um, and I thought that whole uh, discovery was incredibly fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, also because I couldn't really read the Korean information about my Korean parents, <laughs> but I saw like their um thumbprint mm. and i saw the description of my mother and the scri- description of my father um and you know was like weeping <laughs> uncontrollably throughout the whole yeah. just looking through this document um and uh so that was a really informative first step and i felt mm. like it was the first action i had ever taken that was like A grown-up move like, you know graduating from college getting a job like whatever you feel like those are grown-up moves moving to korea by yourself Not a grown-up move (laughs) well to an extent but for me, this was like I just remember feeling like oh i'm an adult now like I'm finding accessing this information about myself That only I could have done without the assistance of my parents or anyone else Mm -hmm. like it just felt like it was The most grown-up shit ever Um, and so I, uh Took that information. They were like if you want to do a search take a picture of yourself write a letter to your mother I don't know why they I mean, I do know why they say just to to your mother because most of the birth mothers are single unmarried korean women Um, but my my parents were you know, both listed on the document Um, but I remember writing this letter to my mother and it took me a really long time Just to know how to start and begin Mm -hmm. writing um crazy writer's block with with that whole yeah no kidding
0: how long did it take you to write Um,
1: that letter so i went to andong um shortly after seeing my file mm-hmm. uh just you know took a train down there walked around saw the river and in this like tr- truly dramatic like k-drama fashion like sat by this river and cried and like <laughs> wrote the letter
0: there was this guy playing flute behind you <laughs> yeah, yeah. somebody put a soft lens on <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah just a single tear yeah rolling down my face um Wrote the letter like on by the river and remember felt like anyone I could see walking around this town could have been like a relative of mine. Um, It wasn't that glamorous. I don't know. I wasn't good at like (laughs) seeing the best parts of the town. It also was like a ghost town. It was in. Well, it's not like a busy place. It's not. But like I remember I only saw old people and it was just like. (laughs) deserted and i think that's because like many cities in korea all the young people are working and they're in the city they're not yeah they're all in seoul yeah so that was also an interesting that's like when it comes
0: to chuseok like why the traffic all the way to the outer places is so terrible going
1: back home um so then i after writing the letter i of course did not just like readily (laughs) submit it i sat with it for a really long time like Mm -hmm. probably another couple of months um
0: do you mind sharing what you wrote Just general general idea.
1: Do you want me to read it?
0: Sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to.
1: I've never read it out loud before.
0: Oh, really? This is a treat. I posted
1: it on in public, so it's like. Says public knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Where did you post it?
1: I had a blog while I was over there called. Ibyang.
0: How do you spell that?
1: I b y a n g. And Uh do you know what it means? No. Means adoptee.
0: Oh wait, yes, I do. Yeah. Yep, I do know that.
1: Or adopted. It's like, you know... Because I was here gerunds. connected
0: to the verb. So it's like, Ebyang Doiseo. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Ebyang exclamation point was the name of the Tumblr account I created. Which nice. Really I created a Tumblr itself. for the
0: Rambler, but I yeah. haven't done anything with it.
1: <gasps> I just posted things that I, like I missed from home. Oh, okay. Updates on, um, you know, my feelings. Like this one sure. blog entry was, I feel really not Korean when... I have no idea. Oh, it goes in order. I feel really Korean when people stop me in the subway to ask for directions. (laughs) And then the second one is I feel really not Korean when I have no idea what they're asking me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: My favorite part about learning Korean and trying to use it in Korea was that I knew how to ask the questions, but I never understood the answers. mm Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, how do I get here? And then it'd be like, no, nope, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a while. Chapman Dark.
1: Yeah. Please point exclusively with your fingers. <laughs> do not verbalize the instructions. Yeah. So this is a picture of some kimchi I made.
2: Right. Oh, you made some kimchi. It's <laughs> impressive.
1: Uh, no, I didn't make. I, it's kimchi jjigae. I made the soup. Oh, uh, yeah, You know, just dump it in. Yeah. This is a picture oh, of <laughs> Steve Buscemi applying makeup. And in the end, he turns into a k- k- K-pop star.
2: Well, I mean, Which that's, is a visual commentary
1: on uh, yeah how much plastic surgery makeup uh, <laughs> Korean women typically wear. Let's see if I can find. Okay, here it is. I wrote this and um, I'll re- I'll just read it. Okay. Dear birth mother. I have been living in Seoul for almost five months. After twenty four years of being an American, I wanted to see where I came from. I wanted to understand myself my history, and ancestry to perhaps find a deeper meaning in my existence. It is, an, it, it is a curiosity that has led me back to my country of birth and has driven me to write this letter to you. The older I become, the more you and my birth father have been in my thoughts. I have struggled to live in this country so different from America in so many ways. The language and culture I continue to try and understand, but even though I may not always feel Korean, I know that I am. I am Korean because of you. And I am proud to say that I am Korean. It is a part of my identity that I carry and that I want to know more about. There is so much I want to tell you about my life, how thankful I am that you gave me life, uh, how thankful I am that my adoptive parents love me so much and continue to love me unconditionally. And there is so much I want to know about you. So, you know... Pretty straightforward. <laughs> uh, not a lot of detail about myself. Just kind of explaining why I was searching for them.
0: Sure. I think that gives a good and, amount of
1: detail. Yeah.
0: Um, you don't need to write a biography for them.
1: Yeah. Um, so this was like the first draft. I thought that I would take lots uh-huh. and lots of drafts to before feeling like it was in a good place to send it. But after looking at it a, mo- a couple months later... Um, I was like, you know, this is it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Sure. I just have to finish it. So, And someone translated it for me at the okay. adoption agency. And then I had my roommate uh, actually read. I, you know, in Korea, I learned so much about how kind of like shady adoption agencies are. So I just like really wanted someone else who knew Korean, who understood English and me well enough to like vouch for the fact uh-huh. that yeah, yeah. it was accurate and Um, was it pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. So I felt comfortable sending it. Um, I mean, of course you never feel that comfortable sending a letter like that.
0: Well, yeah, I wrote as comfortable as you can be.
1: Yeah. I mean like this was potentially the only contact I would have with my family at all. Like Uh I was prepared for the scenario in which they read the letter and didn't want to meet me Mm -hmm. for a number of reasons or you know, they would read the letter and respond back in some way, um, and I wouldn't have the opportunity to, to contact them again. Maybe, um, sure. yeah. So that was really terrifying. Like, what's if absolutely you, if it the was. person who gave you life? Like, you only have one opportunity to communicate with them. Like, well, what is that going to be? Mm-hmm. And it's too big of a thing to fully process. So I was like, I can't. Yeah. It, this doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be finished.
0: It's like talking with a ghost.
2: huh.
1: Yeah. So. I was like all right just do it i took the letter um to the adoption agency and i remember going in the subway terminal to one of those like pop-up like photo booths Mm -hmm. um where you can take a picture of yourself for like passports and like resumes because that's the thing that they do over there (laughs) yes (laughs) and i remember being like should i smile (laughs) like should i just look straight at the camera but again, just like the letter, I was like, just fucking take the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I like looked pensive. <laughs> I wish I still had the picture because it's because it's such a weird moment of like sitting in this booth. Like, you know, who's this what this picture is intended for. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kind of expression do you make on your face? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I went with like a kind of s- s- tight lipped, but closed, you know, smile that didn't look too weird or smirky but it was just like this is me there you go (laughs) it's not gonna be perfect um sent it in and then like a month later no communication from my adoption agency at all Mm -hmm. on like how it was going but a month later i get this email that's like a one-line email that's like we found your family they want to meet you on friday How does that sound
0: (laughs) wow
1: like with no follow-up or detail and then i was like uh okay can you give me more information and they said like you have an older sister which I kind of knew about but not really um, or I... had never really considered who that could have been um, she speaks a little bit of English and she might be present to help translate um, they live in Undung the same city where you were born um, mm. and they're still together they're gonna drive up to Seoul and meet you at the agency on Friday and I had gotten this email on Monday wow. so so I had got a, a week whole, to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most, like, <laughs> for the meaning of your life, written <laughs> weeks of my life, I would just, like, weep uncontrollably, like, you know, sure, at yeah. work at my desk for, like, you know, your coworkers no, have no idea what's going yeah, on. Yeah. And, like, I would just, cry, I cried more that week than probably any other time in my life mm-hmm. without the knowledge of the source of that crying it was just like all the feels like so much emotion that i just i only knew how to cry about it um and i talked to like a friend of mine a lot on skype that was helpful i talked to uh, my mom Mm. she was just i forgot what she said but she just was like so uh calm and collected about the whole thing um and was just like you got this like don't worry like we're so proud of you you know um, That's
0: awesome. And which is all I yeah. could have
1: asked for in that scenario. Um, and my friend who I ended up Skyping with like the night or maybe like two nights before, she is still a very close friend of mine today. Um, she was born in Atlanta um, and grew up there um her dad was never in the picture in a meaningful way he would occasionally like send her a card on her birthday or Mm -hmm. like a check in the mail or something um and he lived like in the same neighborhood as she She, he lived like a 10 minute drive away from her her whole life um and she i think when we were in college or slightly before um arranged to meet with him for the first time in her like young adult or adult life Mm -hmm. and so i remembered that experience of hers we hadn't really talked about it in detail but i was like the only person in my life who's done this before is kind of is ruby, ruby beth so we talked about it and she kind of you know provided reassurance mm. um and i also was seen like a therapist on skype who i should get back in touch with she was kind of great um who was also a korean adoptee who had met her biological oh, cool. family Um, and so we had like these Skype consultations, uh, the whole month leading up to meeting them. Hmm. And so she was really good at like kind of helping me through that emotional chaotic time in my life. Yeah. Um, and then I just did it. I just met him and it was very intense. I actually made a short digital story about the experience, um, Yeah. My father, I sat down, I waited in this waiting room, this like very cold, sterile waiting room in the adoption agency. Um, And they were a little bit late. I never asked them. I'd be curious to know like what they were feeling, how they were preparing before meeting me. Like did they have cold feet?
0: hours long car ride up there. Yeah,
1: right, exactly. And they came with my older sister. And uh, my... I was just like sitting in the chair, like shaking and like, wait, it felt like I was waiting forever. Maybe they were like a couple minutes later or something like that, but, um, they walked, my mother walked in and, uh, was kind of crying and looked really like scared. And she said, she kept on saying in Korean, I'm sorry. Like, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I was like, i was like it's okay yeah yeah. like we hugged kind of awkwardly and then my father walked in and my older sister and there wasn't any sort of like striking resemblance Mm. it was kind of a little not a letdown but like i was like all right a little surprised yeah you guys kind of look like me i guess (laughs) It was never like not a carbon copy of your mom right but i don't know i guess that was part of my curiosity and like motivation to find them was like wanting that physical uh visual reflection of myself Mm -hmm. and another person that i'd never had before um so we sat down and my father like first thing comes out of his mouth is like i'm sure you're wondering why we placed you for adoption and it was because we didn't have enough money to raise a second child at that point and also you were born a girl not a boy and the first part i knew about for sure that was always the narrative growing up like you know, you'd have more money right, and opportunity yeah. in America. and they Well, just that's a kinda, lot
0: of people's narrative. Yeah,
1: that's got to be a part of it. Um, but the second part, the gender part, no, I had no idea. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so they and, were, it was
0: the implication that they would have kept you if you were a boy? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, and then they kind of told me a little bit. The translator was there. He wasn't that... Uh, fluent in english so i feel like a lot of it wasn't fully communicated but essentially the poor guy was just like you know trying his best yeah Um, yeah and then uh they told me i had two younger siblings who didn't come they didn't tell them about me they didn't want to tell them about me until they had met me Uh um a younger sister who's a year younger and then a younger brother who's like three years younger hmm and they were like, but you seem cool. We'll we'll tell them about you. So. <laughs>
0: so, did their monetary situation improve from when they had you to your younger sister? I, yeah, then, yeah, is that what happened?
1: Yeah, um, and they just like needed a son, right? Because that's the whole.
0: Well, I guess the familial line, right, have mm-hmm. to carry Exactly. Son,
1: so. Yeah. So. Um seems like pretty traditional in that regard mm. my korean mother is the i think youngest of seven kids wow uh and my father i th- believe was an only child or maybe he had a sibling who passed away um i can't remember the details but he was alone as far as i knew it okay um and yeah you know there's a social traditional cultural pressure to have a son so mm-hmm. um
0: confucian societies
2: yeah
1: <laughs> so That, uh, we went to a, I don't know how much detail you care about me going into it. After the meeting, we, uh, went to the mall, they were like, what? Which mall do you go to? Like the Shinsege, you know, big department store. Big department store. And they're yeah, like, yeah. Pick out a gift for yourself. And I had this meltdown like, What the fuck am I supposed to pick out? Like, what do I get? I want for a myself? super expensive handbook. <laughs> I, I, well, I just didn't want, I didn't like the situation. I was yeah, like, that's... Let's just get in and out. Um, I ended up choosing like this little necklace that was like i don't know i remember thinking like i don't know how much money you guys have like what what like it couldn't i kept on offering like oh i'll take a i need a bag how about that bag and they're like no it's too cheap like get something nicer (laughs) and uh they were like how about this like chanel makeup kit and i was like i don't really wear makeup and that seems really (laughs) expensive so i settled on this like little silver necklace With a crown on it and a little diamond in the middle like not like a real fancy one, but like I don't know I think it was like a hundred bucks or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like this seems nice (laughs) It's not something I would ever actually wear or pick out for myself It was just like this seems like a decent price range that will appease them and you know it'll be a nice kind of like token yeah. weird necklace that i'll just keep in a box and wear my whole
2: life
0: so you still have it
1: i still have it i don't think i have wear it that much but i wore it for sure i wore the hell out of it the whole time you know yeah i was ever around them i think
0: so you had a continuing relationship with them after that yeah how often would you see them
1: Uh, so, we spent, like, a really long time with each other that one day, and Mm. I remember thinking, like, when is this going to end? This is, like, a really long, awkward first date. (laughs) It was so much like a date, and I remember I've heard that before. Yeah, my therapist was like, it's going to feel a little bit like a date, (laughs) Um, you know? You'll be wanting to kind of, like, feel each other out, uh, and get a sense, and it'll be hard, you know, communicating, but there's no wrong or right, right way to do this. So, um... After like a day, exhausting day of like running around and trying to talk to each other, um, they left and we made arrangements to maybe like see each other again when they would come up next month for a wedding. Um, so yeah, that was it, and we kind of like exchanged numbers, <laughs> you know, kind of like in like yeah. weird date fashion and <laughs> text uh, And um, I, my older sister, was really great about being in touch and i think took on this role as the oldest sibling to make sure that i felt comfortable communicating with her and she would act as this kind of liaison between me and my parents who didn't speak any english so yeah she was really cool really um smart and uh she had gone to college she'd studied like architectural design and seems like super you know responsible like had her shit together she spoke pretty good english as well So we actually met up periodically, like once every, maybe every other week. Oh, wow. She lived in a town just outside of Seoul that was a little closer, uh, where she was working and studying maybe. And so we had like language exchange and kind (laughs) of like practiced Korean and English with each other. Um, It felt kind of forced, the language part, because I really just wanted to like learn about her and the family more. Um, mm-hmm. But the English exchange kind of gave our meetings some structure and that was nice. Yeah. But I never got to ask like big questions because I didn't know how to, like literally. Right, Korean. Yeah. <laughs> and I also, uh, you know, it's a touchy area. Like Sure. Um, and so when I think about going back and seeing them um Are i think about
0: on the trip soon? i think so
1: maybe for the gathering oh yeah in august okay uh and if i go back there i'll definitely let them know um, like,
0: yeah Do you, so you have an ongoing relationship yeah with them still? i mean
1: since i've been away i've been back in the country now probably three or more years over three years mm-hmm. Um and each year our communication gets less and less frequent. So I'll maybe reach out and say, like, hey, happy birthday when I Yeah, yeah. see their birthdays come up on my GCal <laughs> or Facebook. <laughs> and sometimes I'll like text them pictures of me at home with my parents or like on holidays or something. And it's kind of a sometimes I'll get like a response but it from my parents, but it's usually kind of, you know, very brief. Yeah. Um and then from my siblings, sometimes we talk on like Facebook chat and they give me little updates about their life.
0: So now you're connected with your other siblings as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I met them when I went to Andong to visit them. I okay. spent like so- New Year's with them. Uh huh and that was their first i mean they didn't know i existed until i right. showed up at their door yeah. pretty much i mean my parents told them before i moved went down there to see them but they were just like what the fuck
0: yeah <laughs> oh they're like uh... this
1: was really weird um but my younger sister my younger brother was like you know he was in high school he was just like oh i have a sister cool (laughs) tell me about america like he seemed really sweet and like um interested in learning about me
0: and then your younger sister was what in college and she was like she was i go to college and now there's another sister
1: (laughs) yeah pretty much she was just like what the hell but honestly out of all my siblings i think her and i maybe have the most in common oh really she just has a very she plays field uh... talking (laughs) yeah she's (laughs) a white person no she's She's She's... ironically an adopted white person
0: <laughs> yeah
1: no she's uh i don't know she just seemed to have a sense of humor that I really uh liked and yeah. um seemed curious that she about travelling and cool uh yeah so i yeah actually just talking about this makes me feel like I should communicate with them but i also never know what to say i'm always like hey yeah. hope you're good i'm should be like i just doing... did this podcast it was <laughs> awesome yeah, talked exactly. all about
2: us <laughs> exactly Maybe
0: <laughs> you should I'll, listen to it maybe <laughs> i'll
1: um I recommend they watch have you seen twinsters i did yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean it's I don't good you can, you can get it. netflix in korea right it's kind of like uh blocked or something. i don't
0: know if they have launched out there but I, they have this like Global domination plan. That <laughs> I heard about that, yeah. And they're like now like trying to cut down on uh, VPNs. Oh,
2: Because right. that was my
0: main way of watching when I was yeah, like all around the world. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And so now they're like, no more VPNs <laughs> because we're going to launch everywhere. Yeah. I think is what their plan is. Okay. I don't know if they're in Korea yet, but I'm sure yeah. they're... Working on it. Yeah, they have a lot of Korean movies. They do. So
1: Same with Hulu. I feel like there's Hulu like has a lot well like Korean dramas. I think segment.
0: they teamed up with Drama Fever. Hulu oh. did, so that's why they have so many.
1: Ooh, maybe I'll watch a K drama tonight.
0: It's hard for me to find one that I like.
1: I know. I know me too. I keep pretending it's so like, cheesy. Yeah, I love K dramas. I'm so Korean. I know, and then I get tough. into it. I'm just like. Oh, this is I'm very picky about I really
0: want movies. like, but it's so funny because I feel like Korean movies are like really awesome. A lot of them are yeah. really awesome movies, and I'm like, why are K dramas so I cheesy? Know, I know
1: it's like K-pop. Yeah. You know? Do you? What's your favorite Korean movie?
0: Uh, I think my favorite one still is Old Boy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's like the standard for me. So
1: disturbing.
0: Yeah, and there's nothing that like I'm really can live up good. to it. It's yeah. just like, have you seen any so old crazy. Korean
1: movies like from the 50s or 60s? Yeah, I took a
0: class when I was in college uh, oh, cool. for Korean culture, and there was one that was like the KSA probably put it on, but it was uh-huh. like um, like old old Korean films, and of yeah. course, uh, there were a couple of ones that really like got to me, but the one was like post Korean War, and the whole movie. I, what it was called this guy had this but he had, he had like this really awful toothache and he was looking for a dentist for like the entire movie and the whole thing's like this allegory for like his missing experiences oh, cool. like during because of the Korean War and yeah. loss and all that yeah. anyways you know like all like great korean art has to do with like Sadness, either loss or shit. revenge <laughs> yeah. and i think it's all tied to like the Korean War and like all their I lost know. brothers in the north and i kind like, of
1: love that though yeah
0: well it's something I wish the U S would do like more in their, in their art, not just filmmaking, but in art in general is like be more reflective upon like the history of the U S or have more, maybe just have more metaphorical meaning behind Mm. their work. Sometimes I'm like, Ah, yeah. God, do we really need another Duck Dynasty or Kardashian show? <laughs> but I just realized, yeah, I mean, like, like, mainstream Americans just um, love to eat culture. shit, is yeah. what I realized. Yeah. They just love well, consuming. Well, same in Korea.
1: they got the K-dramas, too. Uh, yeah, that's true, Humans too. Humans are just pretty much the
0: worst. So do you have any upcoming projects or anything that you're working on oh, that yeah. you want to let people know about?
1: Uh, projects? Yeah. But well, you almost had this podcast. Kind of <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I do have an episode. Um... One episode, I'm hoping to premiere, uh, about a friend of mine, Lydia Doublestein, who is an adoptee who lives in my neighborhood. Oh, cool. And she is a student midwife. She's starting to be a midwife. Wow. And so the conversation that we had and recorded that um, is a kind of audio doc about Lydia is about her relationship to birth and uh-huh. this work and her own relationship with her mother in korea wow. her birth mother or that story as being a source of inspiration for her professional work
0: so is that coming out
1: i'm on like the final stage of edits there's also um an actual live birth that she recorded Whoa. that's kind of like carries the narrative underneath this interview with her so uh-huh. Yeah, it's very intense. Uh, a intense. little hard to listen to, but also very, I think emotionally yeah, impactful. So I'm I'm actually piecing it together for a podcast that a friend of mine produces called Mother and it's about motherhood. Uh-huh. So it seems like an appropriate place to release it. Where can um, people find that? That hopefully will first be published on their um, on their podcast. Uh, so I'll I'll send you that info once it's yeah, out please in the do. world. Um and then hopefully I'll be using that same uh, episode or parts of it in my own podcast of sorts or awesome. just audio project.
0: All right. Yeah. Anything else going on?
1: Uh, I've got some secret stuff in the works. Secret, secret yeah. sauce you don't I'm want to talk about to, yet? I'm hoping to maybe release it or expose it at the gathering.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so we I got a while I'm- then. Uh, I'm not sure yet. Okay. Yeah, I don't know have a far trip yeah
1: (laughs) so i want to ask you a couple questions before we have to go okay um or do you need to go uh
0: i got what time is it uh well we could do yeah five minutes is good okay well let's close this one out and you can ask your questions Uh, So where can people find you to keep in touch with stuff for to keep an eye on your work when it does get released? Uh,
1: Well, I have a website, SkylarSwenson.com, and Skylar is spelled in the least helpful phonetic (laughs) uh, dot S-C-H-U-Y-L-E-R-S-W-E-N-S-O-N.com. So you can contact me there and look at some of the audio pieces and videos i produced
0: awesome all right well thanks for doing the podcast yes. and thanks for sharing everything Have it was awesome
2: editing this <laughs> i
0: yeah well this is gonna be great it's probably gonna go unedited i think it's good really <laughs> yeah I yeah i mean yeah. i think we're good
2: all right all right thanks cool.
0: And that was the interview with Skylar Swenson. That was pretty good. huh? That was a good conversation. I like that. It was, uh, started out kind of like a like a dual interview type of thing, which I dug because, hey, she does interviews too and you should listen to her future projects. And uh, once uh, she puts that out there, we will definitely provide you with an update so that you can keep abreast of the whole scenario. I like the, uh, the conversations we had surrounding Hollywood and uh the state of Korea in terms of uh you know, its history where they are now, how it compares to the United States, you know, gender roles and everything like that. It's good. Provides a little bit of insight into into uh something I don't think we've heard a whole lot about so far on this uh podcast. In any case, uh listen, if you guys liked this podcast and you liked the last one with Holly McInnes and all that I highly encourage all of you, all my listeners, to uh, A, share with your friends and family uh, on Facebook and Twitter and wherever you do your social networking. Word of mouth is good, too. And uh, tell them all about it. Be like, hey, listen, there's this really, really cool guy named Mike McDonald, and he is so cool. He started a podcast about interviewing adoptees in a long form where people can kind of ramble and do whatever they need to do. Uh, and get off their chest and you know it's not necessarily uh about adoption specifically but uh, we delve into that if people want to and uh it's about people's lives it's about people's lives i would highly encourage you to go uh onto itunes and uh you can rate the show there uh get some listens that'd be good Maybe write a nice review and uh, say some nice things about the show. Give it a nice five-star review. It would be great. Uh, What else? What else? Uh, Oh, yes. If you uh, can't get it on uh, iTunes because you don't have iTunes or you don't own an iPhone, pad, Mac thing, then uh, it is available for download this podcast and streaming on apps such as uh, Podbean. And Pocket Casts, I heard, is another good one. Go go check those out if you uh, need to and, and stuff. Music today is provided by The Bell at Needle Drop Records and a collective effort uh, by Ben Kaz. And uh, I guess that's it. Listen, listen. You guys have a great long President's Day and Valentine's Day weekend pralentine's pralentine's day does that make sense and uh watch deadpool if you're so inclined to watch a rated r movie but hey listen if you have kids like little kids don't bring them to go see deadpool okay and there's like there's there's scenes that take place in strip clubs and people get their heads chopped off and f-bombs and inappropriate jokes okay which I, I typically would not mind i don't mind it but there was a child in the theater that i went to and it was a little bit weird to hear this little kid thinking that, I don't know, maybe his parents thought it was an X-Men movie or something. It's not. Not an X-Men movie. Enjoy your weekend. Stay warm. Bundle up. Stay warm, okay? Don't go outside for long periods of time. All right. Thanks for listening to the show. Go back and revisit old episodes if uh, you're just getting into the show, and we will talk again next week with my guest, Jen
2: Kim. See ya. Oh, are you still around? Are you still here? You're still listening? You haven't shut it off yet.
0: You're not near your iPhone, iPod, Android device. Interesting. I thought you would have left by now. Well, if you're sticking around, I just want to publicly proclaim and congratulate Jay Ridner and Peter Chu on their happy marriage in Turks and Caicos. Sorry you couldn't make it, but I will see you and buy you drinks very soon. Again, congratulations, and see you soon.